Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Rihanna Dillon. I'm a film critic, broadcaster, and I'll be your guide to this year's BFI London Film Festival. With this podcast, I'll be taking you through the 2020 edition of the LFF, talking to some of the filmmakers whose films are premiering at the festival and pointing out some of the movies that are worth seeking out. Think of this podcast as a guide to some of the unmissable films, how to watch them, why they matter, and a glimpse into the minds who made them. Sound and music go hand in hand with the visuals. The soundtrack of a film can elevate a movie and make the audience feel the images in their bones. The LFF has always highlighted the creative process of musicians and sound artists, as well as other artists through their strand of films called Create. This year, there are a number of fascinating movies that celebrate the collaboration between music artists and filmmakers. They illustrate the impact that music can have on culture and that magical, intangible relationship between soundscape and cinematography that can make or break a film. First up, a new documentary that shines a light on the woman who came up with the most iconic of science fiction theme tunes whilst working in a BBC basement. Delia Derbyshire, The Myths and Legendary Tapes, this documentary builds a portrait of the irreverent electronic music pioneer Delia Derbyshire. Using the newly discovered 267 tapes recorded by Delia, discovered in an attic, along with journals hidden in her childhood bedroom, the film will inspire anyone who lives on their own frequency. I spoke with the director of the film, Caroline Katz, about the very unique experience of getting inside Delia Derbyshire's head. What intrigued you so much about Delia Derbyshire that you wanted to make a film about her? Well, I think I'd always been fascinated with this idea of very sort of from a kid it's like I didn't understand how how come everybody hid behind the sofa this is how it all started for me really that yeah and I sort of could never let go of that it's like why when it's a theme tune does everybody do the same thing like everybody you speak to it's like we all had this kind of sense like something was being transmitted that made us have a certain behavior and this idea that you know it tapped into something very primal and something very very intense that I started to wonder as I got older, is that something that was generated from something deeply felt by Delia? Is that something that lived within her? And then you sort of dig a bit more and find out about her time 
as a child living through the Coventry Blitz. And that then she then I read more about her and her talking about how um, electronic music really for her started with the sound of the air raid sirens and the all clear sound. And that was really a powerful idea to me. And then, of course, the when her archive um, was donated to Manchester University, I was down there very fast. I was really, I, I was kind of a bit obsessed <laughs> with her, you know, before that. But then when that appeared, it's like I had to know more about it. So that's really how the film started. And how in your head did that marry up with Cosi Fanny Tutti as well? Yeah, well, I had this idea that, you know, listening to Delia's music when I was sitting in the archive, listening to these amazing pieces, 267 tapes, not all of them, but as many as I could stuff into my ears <laughs> you know I had this this sort of a lot of thoughts and a lot of response and a lot of you know it was a it was a really sort of dramatic experience like I knew I could do something with it but I felt that as much as a music fan that I am and you know I really needed to have a sort of a take on it from another from a musician's perspective mm-hmm. and then that's when the idea grew of having the idea of a story of somebody who's a composer but the story of her life having the sort of soundtrack person making the soundtrack sort of exposed as part of the film I really Mm. like that idea and Cozy's music she's so singular and interesting and works in a very intuitive way you know differently than Delia Delia has a a very analytical approach which is different to Cozy but I think there was something I just had this sense that there was something about their both of their techniques and also with, you know, Throbbing Gristle and the work that Cozy yes. and that they were all doing at that time was very much sort of using the ideas of music concrete, which is very much Delia's process too. So I just thought, oh, there's got to be something there. And when I approached Cozy with this idea, I had no idea, you know, how it was going to mm-hmm. go. She was amazing. She immediately responded to it. <sighs> and we both just got on very well and wanted to work together. She's the most amazing collaborator. I mean, unbelievably it's just it was such a privilege to work with her on this and her role in it really grew it sort of came as a sort of an idea maybe there'll be a scene of a you know composer doing right, these yeah. tracks and then she'll go off and do her tracks at home <laughs> and then that'll be the end of that but no you know this really grew into something and um as you see in the film voices as if they were dead. Um, sorry, sorry, it's just a little too posh. It's for a drama about a time-travelling doctor. Mm-hmm. 
A more complex sound still is white noise. Something like that. That's incredible. Looking back, there was something at that time, 72, 73, 74, that went wrong. It's just such a fantastic mix of archive and drama and recreation and interviews. How did you come to that, you know, decision about the structure of the film, which is so unlike anything we've really seen before? Well, oh, it's nice of you to say that. I, th- I think really, you know, we were struggling, to be honest with you, we were, very, we were struggling to find financing. We were struggling for people to understand mm. why it was an important story to tell. And we were very lucky because the BBC responded to it. And we were given the opportunity through Arena. And Arena, as you know, is a, a kind of, you know, it, it's sort of artistic documentaries. Mm-hmm. It has that, although although it, there have been sort of dramatised things with dramatisation and all kinds of amazing inventive things. Arena just is actually one of my favourite BBC things. So we were thrilled when they kind of wanted to commission it. And there was an element of that. I guess there was a structure around that, which was like, yeah, we have to kind of include documentary elements. And so the research that I was doing suddenly became part of the film. The research that I thought I was doing for something that was going to be purely just dramatisation, I suddenly realised that it, it was important to me to have the backup of those real interviews, people that really worked with Delia, people that really were there so you can kind of go between the real and the imagination Mm. and I'm also interested in this sort of myth of Delia and and Mm -hmm. memory and also you know when we all die this is this is (laughs) this is what happened when I went to the um when I went to the the archive I had this very sort of profound experience looking at these sort of I'd never been to an archive before you know I'm not an Mm. academic I'm not a, a historian I don't know how this stuff works and it's just like stuff. It's just people stuffing boxes. <laughs> and I was like, wow, God, that's what it is. That's what my life's going to be like. All the contents of my drawers, how will anybody ever know what that is? It will be a yeah. disaster. What sort of, you know. Anyway, Delia's is obviously full of fascinating stuff in her boxes. But it, it made me think, yeah, memory, what we leave behind, the memories that people have, how reliable are they? You know, the myths that are created around us, how can we rely on one, you know, definitive version of anybody's life story? Mm. And that's the thing that I really tapped into more and more was, you know, this has to be a very subjective approach. We have to flesh this embodiment out with, with imagination and dramatisation. Delia Derbyshire, The Myths and Legendary Tapes, will be shown on the BFI player from the 14th of October.
From one legendary artist to another, the LFF this year will also premiere American Utopia. The multi-hyphenate artist David Byrne joins forces with visionary filmmaker Spike Lee to create the film version of his acclaimed Broadway show, American Utopia. Alongside his solo work and Talking Heads classics, Byrne incorporates works by James Baldwin, Janelle Monet, and Kurt Schwitters. American Utopia is much more than a concert film. It's a reflection on human connections, and we all need those right now. Let's hear about the journey from the Broadway stage to the cinema screen from David Byrne himself. Given my past work and the way people view what I do, people assume that it must be ironic or I must be kidding. But then when they see the show, people who have seen this film, they realize, no, he's quite serious about this. I think it's an arc of uh, a person, I would be me, who is very much inside himself. The show begins with me holding a brain. And then this person kind of emerges outside of himself and kind of finds himself a little community of people that help help yeah. him psychologically and physically and all this kind of thing. And then the audience sees everybody working together. And then that community begins to engage with the larger world. So it's this, these stages of a, of a person's journey. And I hope it's not, I mean, I use myself in some ways as an example, but I don't think it's unique to me. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. happened. 
despite all of it still happening, there's still a possibility. James Baldwin said, I still believe that we can do with this country something that has not been done before. Shortly after we started the concert tour, I'd heard rumors that Broadway producers thought this show could be could work on Broadway. I think they'd seen the success of the Springsteen show, which is mm. very, a very, very different thing. But they thought, oh, oh, pop music can work on Broadway. Oh, oh, ah, what a, what a thing. <laughs> um, and so there was some interest and that kind of churned around in my brain. And so at the end of the tour, I thought, okay. Let's see if we can make this happen. This will be interesting. It's a completely different setting. Mm. The audience comes with different expectations. You have to, I thought, I'm going to have to adapt the show to make it work in that context. Uh, a Broadway audience is, unlike a concert audience, they're not really up for dancing by the third song. They want a little bit more. They've got some nice comfy seats. Yeah. And, and they want to take it in, understand what it's about, decide whether they like it or not mm. before they're willing to kind of give it up and, and can start dancing, which they do. But yeah, so I realized that rather than being a liability, this becomes an opportunity. It means that I can kind of talk with them more. I can kind of gradually introduce what the show is made of step by step, and I can kind of emphasize that arc a bit more than I could in a concert where mm. the audience really, they, you know, it's like, get us up and moving as fast as you can. So between Spike and his, um, his DP, Ellen, Ellen Chris, they made a plan of how to film different songs, how things would begin, how to capture this moment or that moment. It was, it was very much planned out. Mm. I mean, obviously there were some accidents, happy accidents and things that happened, but a lot of it was really planned out of, how because there's so much movement on stage it's really about capturing this kind of choreography and this movement when the band shifts from one side of the stage to another or when they come mm. from upstage to downstage and you want to capture what that feels like it's it's not a bunch of static players kind of standing and shaking a bit and playing their instruments there's an awful lot of things going on American Utopia will be screening on BFI Player for free on the 14th of October and will have physical screenings in London and across partner cinemas in the UK. David Byrne will also be doing a screen talk on the evening of Thursday the 15th of October, which you can watch for free on the BFI YouTube channel and we'll link to all of this in the show notes. Finally, another musical standout from this year's programme is Sound for the Future, a brilliantly hilarious reconstruction of Britain's youngest punk band, The Hippies. The director, Matt Hulse, who set up the band with his siblings in 1979, describes Sound for the Future as a part-animated, kaleidoscopic, queer musical docudrama. So, something for everyone, really. It's a delightful combination of social history, family biography, and punk resistance. Let's hear more from the director about revisiting his own family history in the film. It's a good question because in some ways, the hippies 
themselves, for me at least, represent the first moves I made towards being an artist. And that was with the encouragement of our mum, Ruth. And at that age, you know, all my heroes were, were musicians and people in bands, like my many kids. And so in a sense, that led to me becoming an artist and a filmmaker. So in a way, it, it goes right back to that that year and that point um and that's why i had to make the film but in a more um literal sense i'm um, in 2010 do you remember myspace so i put up the hippest songs on myspace um and followed a few people and a few people followed back and then out of the blue i had a message from an electronica duo from lausanne in switzerland called luft and they got in touch and said Hello, the hippies. We would like to do a cover of your song, Dallas City Ghost. Is this okay? I said, yes, it's more than okay. That is so interesting and exciting to have these, the, this pair, Swiss electronic artists, 30 years after the hippies were formed, doing a cover of, of one of the songs. Um, and then, of course, because of the way my brain works, it started ticking over. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I should go over and uh, observe them in the studio doing their cover that would be interesting to meet them and then I sort of slowly thought oh well if I'm going to go all that way I might as well like take some photos and I thought oh well I might as well do some filming <laughs> and that led to the notion that um wouldn't it be a great idea to have contemporary bands doing covers of hippie songs and then the hippies reforming in their 40s early 50s to do a, a return cover of one of one of their songs and I, my thinking got more and more ambitious and I was thinking yeah we'll get David Byrne we'll have Iggy Pop we'll you know we'll do Laurie Anderson and although that project in itself was designed as a an audio covers project it triggered the idea for a, for a film essentially that was that was the root of it was Luft getting in touch England 1979. I form a band with my elder brother and younger sister, a pre-teen post-punk DIY outfit called The Hippies. We wrote, performed and recorded a handful of songs on a cassette album called A Sound for the Future. <laughs> form a band. Welcome to Rock Polytechnic. Ow. If you imitate me, I'll clobber you. Fuck it. I can get an emotional right now. Mother, why did you leave us? 
I'm a serial inclusionist. I really constantly want to include people and make sure everyone's involved. So I was aware, how can I keep my brother and sister involved in this, particularly given that, that Toby was reluctant to be involved. And um, so I thought, hang on, what we'll do is we'll draw up a set of 10 songs, so a bit like Desert Island Discs, and we'll choose three songs each from that time that felt pertinent. And then I sent that list to our music supervisor, Hani, the amazing Hani Asfari, and he basically tried to get hold of all of them. And then some were too expensive, some were unavailable, and so on. So it was whittled down, and then we were left with essentially one each. Um, so Toby's was Science Friction, Polly's was Hanging Around by the Stranglers, and mine was Love Like Anthrax by Gang of Four. So they became the kind of, that's what it boiled down to. And um, it, it probably the case that actually we would given totally free reign we would have chosen different songs but that's how it worked out sound for the future is also available for free on the bfi player until this evening finally there's an embarrassment of riches in the lff short film program so i'd like to recommend mother a short documentary which looks at a group of young dancers in a favela in Rio de Janeiro who try and find their way in the world through voguing. Enjoy, bop, sing along, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the LFF podcast. In the meantime, we would love to hear your thoughts. Send us a voice note to festival.events at bfi.org.uk and we'll include the best ones in this podcast as we go along. Let's hear from you, the LFF audience, about what stood out from the festival so far. I'm Rihanna Dillon, your guide to LFF 2020. You can follow me online at Rihanna Dillon and join the conversation on Twitter with hashtag LFF. That's all for this episode of the LFF podcast. It's produced by Anna Bogutskaya, edited by Olivia Graham, with music composed by Francis Johnson. And you can find them on Instagram. You can subscribe and listen to the podcast on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Just search for LFF Podcast and you'll find us there. We'll be back on Thursday with an episode all about Tilda Swinton's forgotten alien film. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.